Thank you for joining me for another episode of Women Blazers. I'm your host, Deanna Witter. Today I'm excited to have Kristen Kuhn as my featured guest. Kristen is the Senior Vice President of Partnership Marketing, Brand, and Community for LAFC of the MLS. In this episode, you'll hear Kristen share her journey starting out on a path of discovery, which required her to take bold moves that led to experiences that not only built the career she leads today, but just as importantly, placed her in a position to meet incredible people and mentors along her journey, who saw her value and believed in her talent to present doors of opportunity for her to earn and open. Thank you, Kristen, for being on the podcast and, and sharing your insights and journey and, and your just everything you'd gone through. Um, kudos to you. I, I think it's fantastic. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. And I love that you're doing this, which is awesome. So keep up the good work. Uh, love hearing all the different women that you have on every week. And I'm so honored to be one of them. So Kristen. Uh, what was the plan going into college and what experiences while at the University of Iowa helped you lay the foundation for your career? Yeah, you know, I don't know that I really had a plan going into college like most college students, <laughs> um, but um, I think that I really enjoyed the time traveling. I was brought up fortunate enough to explore several countries, and um, I think that really was important to me to continue having a path that opened up the opportunity to either work abroad or um, have my job experience be able to take me places where I would travel with that. And naturally at the time as um, a 21 year old in college, you know, I was into entertainment, sports and fashion, and that's kind of where I figured a cool job would be. Um, so, you know, I, I knew that I wanted to do something in, in business and um, in marketing at the time. And so, you know, I, I thought, well, yeah, I'll just get my degree and I'll probably have, you know, 50 plus job offers coming at me because I'm so cool. And <laughs> I'll just roll in the dough as soon as I graduate with a diploma. Um, and clearly, you know, that was that was not the case. Um, but I think after a lot of um, resume applying, I actually landed my my first job. I was determined. I actually made a goal for myself. I remember by August 1st after college that I would be working and so I told myself, no matter what, even if you didn't have a job that you wanted, you got to take a job by August 1st, because I just didn't want to get trapped in staying in my hometown, living with my parents' house and, you know, waiting for the right, op- just the perfect opportunity um, and making sure that I at least got out there and did something on my own. So that was really important to me. Yeah. Now you had told me that your parents are both in the medical field. Is that right? Yes. Yeah. And did you ever consider going that route or did they ever try to encourage you to take a different path in business? Uh, they definitely try to encourage me. Um, I think that even until a couple of years ago, they were still trying to encourage <laughs> me to do that. But, um, you know, to two parents who are in the medical profession, when you tell them what you're doing, um, anything that is not medical kind of is lumped together. So mm-hmm. I think to this day, my dad still thinks I work in advertising <laughs> and like, that's not what I do at all. But, um, to him, you know, marketing is advertising, advertising is PR and so forth. So, um, I, I thought about it for a little bit. Um, honestly, it just wasn't of interest to me. And I think looking back, you know, I would def- I'm definitely going to encourage my children to, um, 
have the foresight to look beyond college, but it's really, you know, it is really hard when you're in school and you're in college to think that what you're doing for those four years is going to set you up for the rest of your life. And, you know, it just, it wasn't something I was into at the time. Your first job, straight out of college, did you get the job you wanted before August 1st? Uh, I, I don't know that I had one job in mind that I particularly <laughs> wanted, but I can tell you, I, you know, I applied to over 50 jobs and I probably wasn't qualified for half of them to, to be fair, but, um, it was in 2007. So it was right on the bubble of, huh. you know, the recession as well. And, um, again, I think that, you know, a lot of people think that they get their degree and they'll have all these people lined up waiting to offer them a job. And that's really not the case. Um, so I, I didn't per se get the job that I wanted, but, um, I had a, a contact, um, introduced me to one of her friends who was starting up a small PR agency. She had been freelancing on her own and, um, was ready to start her own agency. And so I basically begged her to be an intern and I moved to the suburbs of Chicago and I started working for her. Um, and I, you know, told her that if I did a good job, you know, I wanted, I wanted, I think a 30 day review or 60 day review. I can't remember. And then after that, you know, that I was hoping to be full time with her. So I, you know, I really started, um, it was in, we, our office was in her house. So I'm not going to lie. Sometimes I was babysitting the kids. Sometimes <laughs> I was answering phones. Sometimes I was pitching us weekly and okay magazine. But, um, I think that it was, looking back on it, it was a, it was a very difficult time to go out of college and roll into a job, no matter what that is. But being um, so small, I had access to really watch her and learn exactly what she was doing. And even if she had to fake it, like she was faking it all the time and things were happening. So for me, it was, it was a really good opportunity to get a look under the hood of how businesses really worked and how that was maybe different than what you read in the classroom textbooks and have access, you know, to um, someone to kind of mentor me along the way. And what were some of those experiences that kind of help you shape maybe the next steps and where you would take your career from there? Yeah, so I I think so, like I said, it was a PR agency. And at the time, you know, that kind of fit everything that I was thinking about in college, that was fun. So, you know, we got to pitch um, different, um, different movie integrations for product placement, we, uh, you know, pitch Us Weekly, OK Magazine was hot at the time. Um, you know, I got to go to Sundance, which was really awesome um, for a client. And we did a gifting suite. And um, I remember we stayed open like an hour late just so that Paris Hilton could come in and we could hope that we got one picture with her and our product. Um, so, you know, it was it was a lot of cool things like that. We got to um, work with some clients who were placed on Oprah at the time in Chicago um, and so all of that was, is, was very flashy and shiny and pretty. Um, but I think what I quickly learned was that a lot of that life was fake. Mm. And, um, you know, as someone who just picked up a magazine in the grocery aisle, when you're about to check out, you know, you know, that, that a lot of that is garbage, but you don't really understand how it gets placed. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, you read the buzz meter and, and what's hot and it's really whatever editor, you know, was your friends with. And I didn't know that um, as an outsider. And so I think it just it just taught me a lot um, about what PR was and how to how to use that in a positive way for your own brand. Um, But ultimately, it didn't end up being what I wanted to do. It just felt like there were too many unrealistic expectations and pressures to be living in this world that wasn't really 
reality. So once you realized that that wasn't a world that you wanted to continue to pursue, what did you do next? Um, I made a choice to just quit my job without another job, which uh, was interesting looking back on that too. Um, but, you know, I, I said, you know, this isn't what I want to do. And I knew that. And so I talked to my parents and they said, if you're that unhappy, then just leave it. And, you know, hopefully you can find something else. So I ended up moving downtown Chicago. Um, and the something else that I found, again, probably did not make my parents proud, <laughs> but I ended up uh, bartending in Wrigleyville. And, um, you know, again, not something that I thought I would do or something that I would want to put on my resume, but um, I, I was working at a new restaurant at the time that had just opened up under the Harry Carey's name. And, um, you know, I was, I was bartending for Cubs games, making pretty good money, to be honest, pr- pr- better than some of my friends who had real jobs, um, at that time. And I think that was when I first like really started living in the sports world because of how, the proximity to Wrigley Field mm-hmm. and being across from the stadium. And, um, as crazy as it sounds, you know, like the Tom Ricketts, Crane Kenny, they would all come in for lunch um, from the Cubs organization all the time. And so even though it was from a very far distance, I, you know, had some insight of what was going on. And I got to see some of these people, you know, outside of the business meetings that were happening. And um, it really got me interested in, I guess, the sports world and just kind of being, even at that time, more of a fan, but growing up in Iowa, you know, we, we, are one of the few states that has no professional sports teams. Mm-hmm. Um, so I really didn't have that, you know, uh, affiliation when I was a kid, except for the Hawkeyes. And so I think that was really like an important time where I just kind of went all in with the Cubs. And I was lucky enough, you know, for that to be able to propel me in a career in sports, not just being a sports fan. As a bartender, you're getting this, this access um, to get closer to the game um, what, what then with Harry Carey beyond bartending, what, what did that opportunity present and create for you, um, to then start to define what your career was going to be? Yeah. So, um, my, my manager at the time, I knew that, you know, this was just kind of a filler job for me until I found something. And luckily, you know, someone was looking out for me and mentioned that corporate, you know, had a job opening for a marketing associate. And so, you know, I decided to take that. I stopped bartending and I moved downtown into the corporate restaurant group. Um, And at the time we had uh, eight restaurants, I think, under the chain that we managed. And so a lot of that was working with our director of marketing to really put the restaurant on the map, you know, for tourism, but also to bring more business from locals. And a big way to do that was through sports. So we ended up doing a lot of events with the Chicago Cubs and the Chicago White Sox um, due to the nature of who Harry Carey was and the, and the brand name. Mm-hmm. And um, with that, you know, we started hosting fundraisers, charity dinners, galas, events, and um, the team would come in. We'd, you know, auction off a meal with a player. Um, and so I started again, really seeing the power of sports and how you could use that in marketing. Um, and then eventually that actually led me to my, to my next job, which was working as the director of marketing for sponsorships and events, um, at player sport and social group, which is an intramural sports league in Chicago. Um, so Harry Carey's was actually a bar partner of, um, player sports group at the time. And when the 
current director over there told me that she was going to be leaving, she came to me and said, you know, I think this would be an awesome opportunity for you. Would you consider taking my role? Oh, wow. Um, so that kind of was, you know, for me, I felt like, how great is it that the person that's leaving came to me and asked me to take her place? Um, so, you know, I definitely wanted to at least explore that. What were your responsibilities? And maybe you could share a little bit more what player sports and social group was in Chicago or is even today. It's like, yeah, it's a, it's a big deal. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it is. So shout out to Gary. He's still there holding <laughs> down um, as the owner of player sports and social group. There's essentially two um, groups that compete in Chicago for all of the park property in which adults play intramural sports league. So every time you drive down Lakeshore Drive and, you know, the beaches are full of beach volleyball or soccer or flag football, um, all of that in Chicago is done through organized sports leagues. And so um, player sports was one of the two primary leagues that organized that. We had over 75,000 adults that played sports with us year round. Um, And as part of that, you know, we had to um, make ourselves different. And it, for us, you know, the growth wasn't just in playing the sports. It was what we offered off, off the field. Um, it was the sponsors that we were able to integrate into having sampling on site and at tournaments um, and hosting, you know, fun beach bashes where you could drink between games and then <laughs> go get your, get your volleyball on, right? And uh, we had a performance by Vanilla Ice, like on the beach in North Avenue in Chicago. So um, I think what... The, the biggest thing at player sports was it was really that sponsorship lens that I hadn't quite developed yet. Um, I was lucky enough to have a mentor there who was uh, more on the sales side that started taking me along to sales meetings. So even though that wasn't my primary role, um, I got to go along with him because ultimately I was in charge of executing it. Mm-hmm. And I think that's one thing that's really followed me today is to make sure that you're on the same page um, from a sponsorship side on the activation and sales, because it all starts in the beginning. And if your sales rep and your salesperson is selling something that you can't execute, then there's going to be a problem, right? Mm -hmm. So it was great for us to work together as a team to be able to go in and talk to these companies um, and really pitch them what we were doing. So again, um, you know, I think that was another example of a small company that I was able to work for. We only had about six full-time staff. Uh, managing 75,000 people a year. So (laughs) it was crazy. Yeah. I mean, I was, I was designing the website. I was doing graphic design flyers. I was sending out our emails. I was doing our social posts. Like now, you know, people are very dedicated to each one of those roles Mm -hmm. with specialties. But at the time, you know, that was all wrapped up in what my job was for events and sponsorships. So again, you know, a lot of hats, a lot of jobs, but also provided me with a lot of opportunity to learn and really, you know, do the, do it how I wanted to do as long as I could run it by, you know, my boss at the time and he was okay with it too. You actually leave player sports after what, a couple of years and you join Octagon. How did you land Octagon from intramural sports? <laughs> I mean, that's the scene. Yeah. Kind of, kind of crazy. A little bit of a jump, <laughs> <laughs> a big jump, um, yeah. a big jump. Yes. So I'm not going to lie, you know, it was a, it was a scary jump for me at the time. And, you know, I was in a place where I could essentially make any decisions that I wanted. Again, small size, small size business. Um, I was making commission. I had flexibility over my hours. You know, I was essentially like recruiting my friends to play beach volleyball and soccer with me. And that's what we do every night of the week. And that was like part of my job. Um, so when I heard about the role at Octagon, again, it was actually through one of my 
sponsors at player sport. Um, so one of my sponsors, um, at the time was working for GMR and representing a, a beer company. And she had said, Hey, you know, I have a friend that works at Octagon. And I know that they're looking to bring on someone for this new business that they have. Um, and you know, would you be interested in that? And so again, you know, I, I think I really had someone looking out for me there and, and someone who was used to working with me that could vouch for me. Um, so I was lucky enough to end up getting the job and, um, it was working for MasterCard on their new priceless cities campaign, which they had just launched in the United States. Um, so they were really focusing, um, on their key cities, which at the time was New York, Chicago, and LA. Um, and with that job, it was really kind of wrapped up into unique situation where, um, the, the local Chicago team was managing their partnerships across a couple different verticals being culinary, entertainment, um, sports and arts and culture. And so I had the opportunity to, you know, stay in the sports world, but also open up to some personal um, endorsements that we had with chefs at the time, um, a relationship we had with the Chicago tourism and the Magnificent Mile. Um, and really, I think really, really understand what sponsorships was at player sports group. It was a lot of the regional um, you know, local marketing managers, field marketing managers that were interested in endurance sports and sampling and signage, but um, with Octagon, you know, way different ball game, um, all about strategy and, you know, making sure that our understanding what contracts were and aligning them with assets and execution and really understanding like everything that went into what that deal looked like, as opposed to um, you know, a smaller one-time event kind of sponsorship. So what was your approach? I mean, as you just explained, like you're going to a whole nother world, right. In this area of the, mm -hmm. of the business and you're now being exposed to all these new structures and strategies that you have to implement, um, as an executive or account executive for MasterCard, you know, what was it, your process to kind of, um, prepare yourself and learn quickly, um, the role and the responsibilities of that role? Yeah, I mean, I think it was really just listening in as much as I could and, and volunteering to do any work. Um, with Octagon, they do a really great job of um, giving you opportunity to help out on other accounts. So even though I was 100% MasterCard, if there was an opportunity where the Allstate team needed some help, you know, I would, I would always volunteer for that. And I think that that, you know, was a good way to stay connected and, and make more networking connections across the agency but also to not limit yourself to one brand. Um, but ultimately, without my role at Octagon, I, you know, I don't think that I would have the knowledge I have today or really have taken the path that I took um, because they just have so many tools there for you to utilize and such a good team structure that you always have someone to go to. Um, and so, you know, even though I was in a remote office, I had, you know, conversations with, our executives and our um, our main office uh, that was in Stanford, Connecticut, all, all the time. And you know, I was able to fly out and see our clients um, in Purchase New York at Mastercard, and they came to me. And so, I think um, I, I think that it was all really new to me, but I just embraced it, and I understood that I wasn't in a small world anymore, and that I really needed to like understand where my role was and kind of be in that lane when I was asked to do it. After a couple of years at Octagon, you had an opportunity to transition to another account, Taco Bell. Was that right? And then you shifted yes. and made a move across the country. 
Yes, I did. <laughs> so I, I made a big move. Um, I, you know, I was kind of up for a change of scenery. I had been dating um, my now husband at the time for a couple years and he's from Northern California and he, um, you know, was itching to get out of Siberia at the time. Um, we had just gone through like <laughs> our second snowmageddon winter where, uh, you know, cars were stranded on Lakeshore Drive because it was so cold. They just stopped working and you could go outside and throw your pot of, of water in the air and it would instantly <laughs> vanish into ice. So we were kind of like, let's get the hell out of here. Like palm trees and ocean, all for it. Um, so ended up relocating to LA, which was a huge shift um, in, in our life. Um, but it was, it was very interesting. You know, uh, the Taco Bell business was much different than MasterCard. And it provided me again with some more opportunities. In, in Chicago, I was working primarily with um, MLB and NFL teams in the sports lane, uh, mainly the Cubs and Bears with some um, extra help there on the Packers and Red Sox and Cowboys. So when I went over to the Taco Bell team, um, the majority of their focus was on the NBA mm-hmm. and then also gaming. And so, you know, obviously now gaming has come a long ways in the last couple of years and is a huge platform. And at that time, that was really, you know, a, a new opportunity for me to explore and really understand how esports was evolving. So while you're in LA, you're, you're on Taco Bell and a new uh, MLS team is coming about. What inspired the move to join LAFC after being, you know, with Octagon for as long as you were? Yeah. So I, so I ended up leaving the Taco Bell team. I actually went over to um, another agency, PMK BNC, which is affiliated with IPG, the same holding company as Octagon. And um, I was doing a little bit more experiential marketing with a little bit of sponsorships, but it wasn't quite what I knew I wanted to do. And again, um, the opportunity presented itself from one of my mentors at Octagon. Um, and they had just signed one of their clients over to this new team, Los Angeles Football Club. And um, my mentor reached out and said, hey, you know, we just signed this multi-year deal with a new MLS team. And they're building out their sponsorship team. You should definitely check it out. You know, you've wanted to be on a sports team. It's new in LA. I think you could really be good for them. Like, here's their number column. Um, so, again, you know, I think it was just kind of the right time, the right place, and someone looking out for me. Um, but it was, it was really interesting to me. I didn't know soccer at all. Um, and I think that one of the things that I did differently than probably most candidates was not to lie about that. Um, I think initially my boss probably wanted to hire someone else because I didn't know much about soccer at all. But um, (laughs) what, what I told him was I knew a lot about brands and I knew a lot about positioning brands correctly in the marketplace. And to me, you know, if we had 99% of the people that worked in soccer and knew soccer, you needed someone who didn't know soccer and Mm -hmm. who knew the brand. And that was what I really was selling myself on. So I started at LAFC um, in 2017, and I started on the uh, what we call the Brandon Brandon Community Team, which is basically an expanded um, marketing team that includes our PR, digital content, um, and grassroots. And my focus was really on um, grassroots marketing, and at the time, a very small handful of sponsorship programming. Um, as it related to kind of building the club, building a stadium and building this new brand identity 
and really organically integrating some of the sponsors who had signed on up early with LAFC. From there, you navigated upward. How have you navigated internally um, into the position you are today as the SVP of Partnership Marketing Brand and Community? Yeah, so I I think, again, it was just really something where I was open to whatever the company needed at the time. You know, um, joining LAFC was unlike joining any other sports team in the sense that it was really a startup company. And so, you know, a startup company has various different phases of itself. And I think you have to grow with that as well. So when I first started, you know, it was really important to start getting our brand name out there in the community and telling people who we are and that we're coming and that, you know, you better watch out for us. You, we want you to, you know, put a deposit down to buy our tickets, um, you know, and then, people were like, great, like, who's your star player? Who's your coach? And we're like, oh, we don't have that yet. Right. Like, so um, it, it's just, it's unlike another sports team where you can, you know, taunt your alumni and, you know, your, your biggest um, player on the team in order to get sales and to get people to like you. So we had to go about different, like very grassroots ways to do this. And, you know, when I joined in 2017, the team had already been established for almost two years at that point too, on paper. So again, I wasn't the first one to do this, but it, we were really at a pivotal point because we were going to launch in 2018. So we had to really start ramping up um, what it meant to become, you know, a member season ticket holder of LAFC. Mm-hmm. Um, and so through that, you know, once we once we had a, a good foundation of our brand, we had a lot more sponsors coming on board. Um, we were able to really sell in what you know the LAFC family and and portfolio was going to look like and we got to a point where we were you know looking ahead to activate on our first game day and we really needed to build out our partnership marketing team so that's really where I took a step in um, working more specifically with our partnership marketing team and taking on more of a role in the sponsorship lane um, to make sure that we were proactively prepared to deliver all of the contracts and assets that we had for our sponsors. I want to see more women, you know, take this path into corporate partnerships, you know, specifically sales and into corporate partnership uh, leadership positions. You know, what, um, what do you love most about corporate partnerships and what would you share to help kind of provide some light of why you love what you do? It's a good question. And I would definitely support that as well. Um, I think for me, I guess what I love about it so much is that you, you get to work with so many different facets of the business, right? So um, generally speaking, if you work in marketing, you're only doing marketing. You know, if you work in content, you're developing content and that's what you do every day. If you're selling tickets, you're going out, you're hitting the phones, you know, you're talking to, to members, but in partnerships, you really get the opportunity to go beyond that and work with every department. So it does take a lot more organization. Mm-hmm. Uh, it takes a lot more forward thinking. And you essentially, you know, I, I tell our team to think of yourself as the quarterback on the team. Like you can't do this without the rest of the team because ultimately, you know, we're selling tickets, we're selling content, we're selling social, right? And we need everyone else to buy into that. But you have to be the one to quarterback that and go out and, and make your pitch for why this partner, you know, fits. And so I think that's part of it is having a variety of work every day, but also, the challenge of looking at a different brand, quite frankly, and understanding, you know, how do I layer in what this brand's objectives are and 
what does that mean to my own brand's identity, my club and my team, you know, and how do the two of them fit together? And that's really in the sales process, how you have to think about bringing on a new partner. It, you know, the days of a logo slap in the outfield are, are gone for the most part. And so really, you know, the, the thinking behind it now has to be a lot more organic and has to make sense. And sometimes, you know, it doesn't make sense. So you have to come up with ways why it would make sense, but understanding and being able to shift your mindset to think like a brand and think about why they're partnering with you as a team is what's really exciting for me. And I think a lot of that is because I came from the other side, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so I've been able to, to have the experience and I know when I'm sitting on a call, you know, what the other person on the other line of the agency is going through and what the challenges are that they're hearing from their partner. And I know how an agency thinks and speaks and I know, you know, how the brand does as well. And so being able to understand how everything works together um, is really important. So I would encourage, I would encourage anyone to explore all the different sides of a sponsorship. Um, you know, a lot of people want to work for a team and it's definitely, you know, an awesome thing to do. And when you get in, um, it's, it's hard to leave, but I think <laughs> that it's important. Um, I think that it is important to, to kind of have a well balanced experience because it does give you, you know, a variety of backgrounds and just a different lens of looking at. You had mentioned throughout this conversation, um, mentors and that you've sought Mm -hmm. out a mentor for advice. Um, you know, how, how have you established your mentors? How do you determine who's a good mentor for you? And then those relationships for you, are they structured? Are they fluid? I don't know if there's criteria per se. My men, all of my mentors are not, um, they're not scheduled that it's, there's no a formal, will you be my mentor? I'd like to check in with you, you know, every month type of situation. I think that my mentors are, to me, are people that I aspire to be and people who um, have the same values and uh, I guess work ethic mm-hmm. that I do or that I aspire to be. So, you know, one mentor in, in particular, you know, has been with Octagon for I think 30 plus years now. And just to know that they have survived and been able to shift and pivot with the company and grow with the sports industry and adapt and change to me is so great. And like that knowledge is endless. So I want to know everything I can to follow in that same footsteps, right? Because it's only natural that over the path of your career, things are going to change. Um, So for me, you know, that's one thing. I think female mentorship is another thing. And 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 particularly my situation, like that isn't necessarily in sports. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's really important um, in in our world today is to find a female that you aspire to be and someone who is able to um, take the time to talk to you and really, I guess, bring you into their life. Um, so that's been really important to me. I, you know, I'm a part of the Wise uh, Women's Group. Um, but more importantly, I think it's it's really just finding, again, someone that that you can have that open communication with and someone who wants to share their journey, not just professionally, but also personally yeah. and, you know, help you develop. Yeah, no, I couldn't. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. You know, I personally I don't have any like formal structured mentors as well, but I would say that I have just this great tribe of individuals, both men and women that, you know, are within my network that I rely on. And depending on the situation, you know, I'll call on them and ask for their advice or their thought, uh, 
um, guidance. Um, what would you do if you're in my shoes <laughs> kind of situation? Yep. Um, and I think it's just so important that you're thinking about your tribe as you're, as you're developing and growing and hopefully every place you've gone or, um, both professionally and even personally that you're adding those individuals, um, to your, to your group of, of network and people you can rely on. Yes, definitely. And I think, you know, to get into a, a topic, I know we, we also touched on and um, probably touch on a little bit more here is just when you become a mother too, um, mm-hmm. having a mentor that you can relate to in that regard, because that's a totally different ballgame. And, um, it, you know, that to me is almost more helpful um, because it's just, it's so new, you know, when it happens for the first time and it's hard. And I don't think a lot of people tell you about how hard it's going to be. Everyone tells you that you know, you're going to love this new baby and you're going to be a family and it's so happy. And, you know, you don't really get much past that, but the reality is that your life is shifting and it is hard to balance working and being a mother. And so the, for me in particular, having role models and mentors who are mothers has been exponentially, you know, important and critical to me, um, in just having someone to, to call, like you said, or to text and mm-hmm. ask, like, how are you doing this? Like, you know, like, we're in the middle of COVID crisis right now. Like, how are you working and like being at home with your husband and teaching your kid right now all at once? Like, everyone's asking themselves that same question, right? But, you know, to have someone to call and ask that is very different than someone who might be single living in an apartment by themselves. Yeah. Um, so I think that dynamic just changes. And it's really important to have a tribe, both, you know, to support you on the personal side and the professional side. I, I think what you just said is a great segue into the next topic that I wanted to discuss with you is, is that lifestyle as, as a mother. Personally, you know, creating this lifestyle for yourself as this executive sports professional um, in L.A. Uh, and being a mother of a two-year-old. Um, yeah, it's, it's not easy. And I'm pretty open about that in general. Um, I'm lucky enough to have a team that, you know, understands that and supports me. But I think that, um, for me, that's, that's not something that I'm willing to give up. Um, so it's really, you know, it is important. I had my, my daughter while I was working for LAFC. And so, you know, that's kind of set the bar for me now, but it it is something that will, you know, shift if and when I leave, you know, who I work for, because I think it's important to be able to have the flexibility to leave. You know, I, I happen to live in a city where it takes me about an hour to get to work every day. And Mm -hmm. so, you know, I'm, I'm in the car, I'm taking conference calls with her in the backseat. I'm dropping her off at, at preschool and then going into the office and leaving, you know, again, when I tell my team, like, I'm going to be out the door at five o'clock, like literally if you come at five Oh two, I'm, I'm not there. (laughs) <laughs> and that's because it ta- I know that it takes me, you know, 54 minutes to get to daycare and the doors close at six and I have to be there. Otherwise I'm getting fined. Right. Like right, we all know right. how that goes. Um, so, you know, I think one to surround yourself by people who can work with that and be flexible is really important, but two, you just have to make sacrifices. And um, mm-hmm. that sounds sad, but it's true. You know, I, I unfortunately don't stay after every game and do a lot of the fun social activities that the rest of the team does, you know, and sometimes I'll do that. That's not to say that, you know, I'm, I'm just a mom and I go to and from my daughter and work and back. Um, but it requires a little bit more planning. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, I think that that's been a big change. And I, I think just making a conscious effort for me going to work 
is really important. And I feel like that helps me be a better person. So, you know, there's a lot of mom guilt, I think, in the beginning when you go back. And um, I definitely had some of that when I came back from maternity leave. But I also was in a unique position where I had been building this team and literally a part of seeing the build of a stadium um, come to life. And I uh, just so happened uh, to have a due date six days before our first home game, before our first away <laughs> game, sorry, ever. So, um, you know, I oh, thought man. like, I thought, you know what, Kristen, you're going to have a baby and then you're going to get on an airplane and fly up to Seattle. You can just go for 24 hours. You'll be fine. Not a big deal. And obviously I was very wrong. So, um, <laughs> you know, I like the I ambition think, though. I think the ambition yeah. there is key. <laughs> yes. I will say I did make it to our watch party. I went into the bar, I had a beer and I think I was there for the whole first half, which was like a miracle at the time, trying to like time out nursing and pumping yes. and all of that crazy stuff. And my, my mom who luckily watched our, you know, seven day old infant at that time. Um, so, you know, that was crazy, but, um, yeah, I mean, it's hard. And I think you just have to make the most of your day. You're not getting any more hours back in the day. So how do you maximize your time? And then, mm-hmm. you know, what can you prioritize? So some days I don't get up an hour earlier to wash my hair and blow dry my hair. It just doesn't work, <laughs> you know? <laughs> so sorry, but um, Sacrifice, you know? yes. <laughs> exactly. So you just have to, I think you have to figure it out. There's no right answer that works for everyone. It's not a one size fits all. Um, and just, try to take it one day at a time. No, I think that's, thank you for sharing. And I, I couldn't agree more. I mean, there's no playbook to this, you know, and everybody's situation is different from um, your situation at home and how you manage the balance between work and your, your child, and especially being a new parent and you're going to face all of these things, but just, you just got to follow your heart. You, you will know what the best thing is to do. Um, at that moment, should you stay home or, or go or go home early from a game and just know that you made the decision, have no regrets because that was the right decision. Cause you made it, you know? And I think that that's mm-hmm. always been the hardest thing. I remember having to tell myself that constantly, um, in the very beginning as well. You know, I remember, I think one of the, the hardest days I had as a, as a new mom was, you know, I, I had my twins and I was traveling for Timbo, um, you know, I was traveling well with Timbo. And so I got to a point where, you know, I was dedicated. I told myself, like, I don't care how busy I am or how much I'm going to still um, pump. I'm going to pump milk. Like, it was really important to me that I did that duty, even though I couldn't be home because I was on the road. I wanted to make sure that I did that. And I felt like that was my contribution, you mm-hmm. know? Mm-hmm. And so, um, as, as you can imagine, you're in meetings all day, you, you skip, you skip a couple of things, things start to reduce your milk, you know, production reduces. And I just remember feeling terrible that I, I couldn't keep up with it. Um, and there was this breaking point while I was in New York, I was scheduled to come home. I had saved up, you know, you have to, it, it's such a trouble. You, know, you have to, if you're in a hotel, you have to ask for a freezer to be brought up to your room. Yep. You know, you have to store it all, you know, in TSCA, you have to plan. You check everything. Yeah. You have to plan yep. this cooler. I have to, you know, travel with a cooler and yep. ice packs and the ice pack has to be, I, I mean, it's just a whole process. And, um, I remember getting all my milk together, going to the airport to LaGuardia. Um, I, I, I'm a person that I don't like to get there early. I get there right before I have to walk on. <laughs> so there's no wait. And I had planned the whole thing out. So I get on the plane. 
and they sit there you know they're just like grounded there at the gate for oh. hours I mean hours and so hours go by they take us off the plane now you have to like pump in the bathroom because there's no place yep. to do it and and now it's another couple hours they put us back on the plane another couple hours on the plane and then they drive out <laughs> like out on the gate like they're going to go take off and they stop the plane make an announcement that the the I think it was the pilot had hit his 16 hours before oh we could take God. off and had to turn around, take us back to the gate. My milk was all destroyed. I mean, it was yeah. like days and weeks of milk for twins. I was just right. like, I, I think it was the first time I had cried. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> I'm done. I can't do it anymore. So I just awful. Can't. It is. Yep. <laughs> I mean, it, was, it was the worst. It was one of my worst moments. Um, and, yeah. and, and rightfully so. I mean, what was I supposed to do? You know, I just felt like I yeah. failed my kids. I failed my, my husband who was waiting for me to come home. You know, the, yeah. you know, I had been gone all week. But I think that was one of those situations like that's going to be the worst and it can't get worse from here. And after, the, after that, I stopped. I stopped being so, you know, worried about everything. I just kept now just go do what you have to do, handle each situation as, as it came at me. Yeah, I think, you know, it's definitely a learning experience. And I can't imagine doing it with twins. So God bless you. To your point, nobody ever tells you. Mm-mm. I don't know. Nobody tells you that. So we're telling you right now on the podcast. We're telling you it's hard. <laughs> we're telling you it's hard. <laughs> You've had such an incredible path, you know, you know, to date. And I'm, you're passing that over. You're still blazing your trail. You know, what have you loved most about your career? Both, you know, obviously inclusive of your personal life, um, today? I think that what I love the most about it is that every job has opened up the opportunity for my next one. Um, And this isn't to say don't listeners don't not do a resume don't still apply online. But for me, you know, my path was always opened up through opportunity and word of mouth of my colleagues or mentors or, you know, a friend of a friend. And so, you know, as much as I, you know, see jobs on LinkedIn or you come out of college and you, like I said, I probably applied to 50 jobs online, right? But I think, well, what's been the most interesting for me is they've all been connected some way. And I couldn't have planned for that. I have no idea if it will continue like that. Obviously, the power of networking is huge and we all know that. But I, I love that every door has opened a new opportunity that I wouldn't have really thought. And I personally like the variety that I've been able to do. I think in some cases it's been um, maybe not, I don't want to say detrimental. It's been a little bit um, hard for me to like hone in on a specific skill set and say like similar to a doctor, like I am a very specialized surgeon in this exact procedure, right? Like Mm -hmm. I don't have that in my career. I've done PR, I've done marketing, I've done partnerships, you know, So I've done events, like I've done a lot of different things. And so part of me thinks like, hey, you need to pick one and just hunker down. And like, that's all you can do. And you just need to be really good at that one thing. But Mm -hmm. then on the other side, you know, that's not being like really good at one specific thing is what's provided me with the opportunity to kind of be fluid and flow and adapt to where I need to be at the time. And I think now being in a leadership role, that is what leaders do. Right. So I think that your portfolio and your your ability to lead a team isn't based on one specialty skill. It's based on your ability to look at a wider cast a wider view of things and maybe lean in on certain individuals who have specialty skills um, to 
participate and, you know, collectively make a team better. And what has been the biggest challenge you faced and what did you learn from it? Um, I think the, the biggest challenge I've faced is, was probably quitting, quitting my job without a new job. Um, you know, yeah. in retrospect, that was really hard. Um, but I think, you know, at the time I just really was that unhappy with where I was that again, it was a choice that I made and I wouldn't go back and change that choice. Um, but that was a really difficult time and it is, you know, it is hard to get a job without a job. Um, but in the moment, you know, it wasn't something that I thought was a big enough risk not to do. So, you know, that's been very challenging. And then I think motherhood honestly has been the other most challenging part of this. And, um, again, you know, there, there's no way to know how you're going to feel. Um, for me, you know, I was struggling with taking leave in general and then, you know, I was ready to go back. I was excited to get back into work, but you know, I wasn't excited for, um, you know, the extra hour commute in the morning to a daycare and the extra, you know, two times that I woke up three times in the middle of the night and then had to go to work the next day exhausted. Um, (laughs) So, you know, I think that, that those would be the two things, but most recently, I guess, would be motherhood and just um, adapting to being a working professional and not just, I guess, a working professional, but a a working executive and what that expectation is from you. You know, if you're sitting down with your former self, Maybe the girl bartending. <laughs> Slinging drinks in Wrigleyville. Slinging drinks, yes, in Wrigleyville. You know, what advice do you have for her knowing what you know now? I think it would be just to enjoy where you're at in your life. You know, I, I was very anxious coming out of college, like I said, to get a job and to have a deadline that I had to do that by. And then when I was bartending, I always felt like my friends, you know, had a real job, quote unquote, and I, I didn't. And that made me feel bad. Um, so, you know, I think that, that whatever you're doing is probably for a purpose. And if I could go back and tell myself that I would say to soak up every moment in your life for when it is, because you're not going to get it back again. And most likely it's going to help you in some capacity, even if you're in a bad moment, you know, maybe that that's a moment that you're going to learn something from. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that, not to sound cheesy, but I think everything has happened for some reason or another for per- for a purpose. And you can't always see it at the time, but I think that there is an answer of why. And that's a wrap on episode eight. Thank you for listening to Women Blazers. And thank you to Kristen for sharing her journey and insights with all of us today. One exciting note, our clubs, the Houston Dynamo and LAFC, will face off in the MLS's back tournament in Orlando on July 13th, so we hope that you tune in. As always, I encourage you to follow the podcast on Instagram at Women Blazers to stay connected. I also want to thank everyone who has shared the podcast and expanded the community of listeners. Now look forward to episode 9, dropping Monday, July 20th, featuring Raven Jameson, Vice President of Team Marketing and Business Operations for the NBA. Until next time, have a great week and continue to be safe.